The Chosen Families Project, where everybody is welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's 2024. Welcome to The Chosen Families Project. My name is Julian Ribello, and today I'm going to be discussing the story of Agnes Millicent Ringe Claflin and her mother, Miriam Allen Brigham Ringe, and the Brigham family, part one. I am so happy to be back. It's a new year, and this year my goal is to, of course, return more back to families, share more stories, and maybe even get some guests on the podcast. I also want to further develop my TikTok page. And right now, I just checked, I have over 400 followers, and that on my Facebook too, which is just absolutely incredible. You know, I started this project about two years ago from the ground up, just buying photos in antique stores. And now, you know, it's growing into a platform that I can really use to tell people stories. And I think what I'm going to do is bring back the stories of those that I haven't returned. I actually just got a really awesome message on Facebook from my Facebook page talking about an episode on episode two of this podcast. That episode in particular was titled Alfred Dashiell Bryan's Story. And that was one of the first episodes I did of this podcast. Now, this comment reads, This was such a cool find to listen to. Related through the mother, Mary Dashiell. Noted an article from the Ellsworth American piqued our attention at that, as that's our first local paper and had today's issue sitting in front of us. We have the three-volume set of Dashiell family records, so is able to look it up in our records. It doesn't provide many of the finer details of stories, so that was so interesting to listen to. Thank you. And... You know, hearing stories like that makes me want to just write more and get some of these people's stories out there, even if I can't find relatives. Because who knows from a year from now what we're going to be able to, you know. I And that happened to me before, and that was one of my favorite stories that I ever covered was when I returned the photographs of a mother and grandmother back to their son after being missing for 20 years, which was just absolutely incredible. So the set of photographs I will be focusing on today were part of a photograph collection of over 20 photographs that I've recovered at a local antique store in New Jersey. Now, when I had first found the photograph collection, I had noticed similar names and handwriting on the back of many of these photographs. And after purchasing the collection, with some careful research, I was actually able to determine that the collection had belonged to the entire Brigham family from Michigan and Vermont. And the way I did this was what I had to do was I actually put them all in a Google document and then I actually decided to build a family tree, which is available publicly on Ancestry called the Brigham Family Found Photo Collection. And the way I set it up is so that way I could kind of see how all the pieces fit. And what was awesome was that I identified the parents as well as all the children, both from a previous marriage and after that. Now, the photograph that I'm going to be dis- focusing on today, the first photograph, is of a young Agnes Millicent Ringe. 
and this was taken when she was about 14 months old, according to the back of the photograph in Evanston, Illinois. Although the photograph itself was actually produced in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And the second group of four photographs are, are of Miriam Allen Brigham, which was taken in Grand Rapids, Michigan when she was three and a half months old, two and a half years old, and I have two copies of this one, and three years old respectively. And that last photograph is one taken alongside her sister Ruth Ryder Brigham, who was two at the time. And this is a pretty remarkable collection Four of the photographs are of Miriam's mother, which would be Agnes's grandmother, and one it shows when she was a young woman, as well as when she eventually became a widow to her husband. And with, like I said before, with some careful research, I was able to determine that Miriam was Agnes's mother. And both had led very interesting lives, including being involved in the arts, as well as being direct descendants of those who took part in the American Revolution. Now, before getting further into this story, I was actually wondering, you know, where this photograph collection had came from and who it had belonged to initially. And who also had written the notations on all the back of the photographs. And... Usually that would be really hard to determine unless, you know, they know, oh, this was taken by me for my son or for an uncle or something like that. It's usually done by a photographer. But I was really curious because this collection was so large. And one of the photographs in particular, who I identified as Martha Lucinda Button Reynolds, who was the wife of the guardian, George B. Reynolds, after Miriam's father died, and he was a doctor Brigham. And it notes on the back of this photograph that I, one of the Brigham children, and that I included there, was married from her home at 1832 Hinman Avenue in Evanston. Now, to note on the back of on the other photographs of George B. Reynolds... He had actually identified, he was identified as the guardian of the family after the death of the father, who I figured out was, and this I had figured out after the photograph of Agnes Ruth Walker Brigham, Miriam's mother, in her mourning dress. And I also was able to locate an article on the 17th of August 18, from 1899. So this is over 120 plus years ago which stated that Miriam had married her husband, Harry Seabringe, at the home of George B. Reynolds at the exact address noted on the back of the photograph of Martha. So what I reasonably concluded at this point, since the handwriting is similar on the back of most of the photographs, and that Miriam, it was very likely that Miriam had once owned this collection or was the one who identified all the information on the back of them. And if it was you, or it was her, or wasn't her, I just want to say thank you. And that article was published in the, the Inner Ocean on 17th of August, 1899, on page 7. Now, with this series, there are just so many photographs of various individuals, and they each have their own very intriguing stories. But what I'm going to do, and I plan to make this into a multi-part series, is... 
include stories on more in-depth stories on George and Martha Reynolds and Martha's mother, which was another set of four photographs they've recovered. Actually, excuse me. Martha's mother was at, um, was Grandma Button, as well as Miriam's mother, Agnes, and the rest of her siblings. And to note, Grandma Button, she, after looking through Findergrave and other genealogical records, she was born in the very early 1800s. So she actually makes it one of the oldest persons I've identified in a found photograph, which is absolutely incredible. So, without further ado, here is the story of Miriam Allen Brigham Ringe and her daughter Agnes Millicent Ringe Claflin. Agnes Millicent Ringe was born on this 19th of May, 1900, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to parents Harry Cook Ringe, born 1869, and Miriam Allen Brigham, born in 1875. In 1910, Agnes was residing with her parents in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, following 1910, so she's about around 10 years old at this time, she had taken a trip to Guatemala with her parents and had arrived back through Louisiana. Now, her parents were quite well off with her father working for the Red Cross and later as a salesman. Agnes had a diverse and refined education background. According to the Dictionary of Art Historians, which I have linked down in the research article, summarizes her background really well. Claflin had graduated from the Madeira School in 1917 and entered Mount Holyoke College that fall. She remained there until 1919. In 1921, she had graduated magna cum laude from Radcliffe College. She had then taught briefly at Vassar College in 1923 as a lecturer but returned to Radcliffe to complete her graduate degrees, the Master of Arts in 1927, and then later a PhD in 1928. In 1929, she had published her first book titled Sculpture, which was, in summary, the contemporary point of view about the art of sculpture, according to her. And by 1931, according to Vassar, she was promoted as a full-time professor, holding a long-time career in the art department. She was described as a vibrant center and guiding force of the department, according to Vassar. She was also writing articles actively during this time period, including those published in Studio International, Parnassus, as well as other short essays, such as The Elder Peter Bruegel, a short essay, amongst other works. Now, while solely a professor, she had completely piled the catalog for the art collection at Vassar in 1939. This accomplishment had won her added duties as the gallery director between 1943 to 1962, and some of the artwork can be shown down below. And there's a quite, I have the article here, there's a quite a different um, variety of works here. And it was the title reads, Acquisitions of the Vassar College Art Gallery from June 1938 to June 1939. One of them includes two Atlas urns, North Italian Baroque period, a sculpture by Robert Laurent, a painting, it looks like, from a John Baptiste Camille Carat from, 
between 1796 to 1875, amongst other works. And it looks like there was a looks like a diverse array of both sculpture and paintings from a very various different time periods. And because her work centered around sculpture, there is a lot more sculpture pieces than paintings. Unfortunately, at this time, however, she experienced a great tragedy in her life. Her father, Harry, had passed away on the 18th of March, 1933 in France. Her mother, Miriam, was killed on the 7th of August, 1933 in Spain following a car accident, which I will discuss further in her story. And also, following that, Agnes was a very active member for the arts during World War II. She first began in 1937 when she began hiring German emigres for Vassar who were fleeing Nazi persecution, including Richard Kraftheimer and Adolf Katzen Ellenbogen. When the conflict had broken out, Agnes has served as the executive secretary and consultant in the art division of the Office of the Coordinator of Inter-American Affairs between 1941 to 1942. That's just for a note. That was a very long context um, to read. And a, a note from Vassar reads, Professor Agnes Ringe of the Department of Art in her leave of absence is serving under the Council of National Defense in the Division of Cultural Relations between the American Republics. She is one of the two executive secretaries of the Committee of Art, and this was on the 20th of September, 1941. Also in Vassar, she also was asked to be a member of the Museum of Modern Arts or the MoMA's Advisory Committee where she has served as the Assistant Executive Vice President in the Museum between 1943 to 1944. Her election to this position by the MoMA was noted in a September 1943 Press Archives report, as well as her return as a professor to Vizar College in September of 1944. So the report reads, the Museum of Modern Art, 11 West 53rd Street, New York. And it reads, Agnesen Ringe of Vassar appointed to staff of Museum of Modern Art. John E. Abbott, Executive Vice President of the Museum of Modern Art, announces that at the request of the museum, Vassar College has granted a Miss Agnes Ringe, Chairman of the Art Department, a year's leave of absence so that she might accept as an appointment as the Assistant Executive Vice President of the, on staff of the museum for that period. Miss Ringe will act as an advisor on the educational activities of the museum. Miss Ringe had received her A.B. and Ph.D. degrees from Radcliffe College and was appointed an instructor at Vassar and subsequently a professor there. She is noted as a lecturer and a writer on modern art. For several years, Miss Ringe has been a member of the museum's advisory committee, of which she was elected chairman last season. She is a director of the College Art Association and was a member of the Commission on the Arts of the American Association of Colleges and is on the editorial boards of the Magazine of Art and the Art in America. In 1941 to 1942, she was associated with the Division of Art 
of the Coordinator of Inter-American Affairs, serving first as his executive cemetery and later as a consultant. Since 1934, Ms. Wrench has given individual lectures and lecture series at the Albright Art Gallery in Buffalo, the Art Institute of Chicago, the Wadsworth Anthem, Hartford, Wesleyan University at Middletown, Connecticut, New York University, Columbia University Summer School, the Museum of Modern Art, the Worcester Museum, F Flemish Seminar, and the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Articles and reviews on art by Miss Ringe have been published in various magazines. She is the author of Sculpture, published in 1929 by Payson and Clark. In addition, Miss Ringe has written introductions to several exhibitions catalogs, including Eight Modes of Modern Painting, a College Art Association Expedition at the Julian Levy Gallery, New York, 1934. So you can really, just from that little archives report, you can really get a glimpse of how active she was within the art community during the 30s and 1940s. The other article I will read is from the Rassar Chronicle, which re is when she actually returned um, after a year's absence. She notes, Miss Ringe returns after year's absence, tells of modern art museum work. I'm not used to making speeches, humorously rem remarked Miss Agnes Ringe of the art department, the chief speaker at convocation today. And I think this is too much punishment to inflict on me for my one year's absence. So she had a sense of humor. Miss Ringe, continuing a long affiliation with the Museum of Modern Art, took a year's leave of absence from Bazaar and devoted the time to holding an executive position in the museum. She did a considerable amount of work on a Calder film, which has not yet been released. She explained that 16 million, excuse me, 16 millimeter film is not a good medium. And that incredible inhibitions resulted from the abbreviated length of the film. Research on the road. She also spent a good deal of time doing research for the museum, which entailed considerable time out on the road to find out what material people wanted in educational art facilities. Since Miss Ringe feels that city post-war planning is one of the liveliest things in, to, in modern art today, she organized a series of lectures on this subject and also in various parts of the country. She encouraged people to continue their interest in plan-your-own-neighborhood schemes, was Federation Chairman. Besides her activities at the museum, Miss Ringe found time to act as the chairman of the American Federation of Art. This organization publishes the only national art magazine in the country, and the Federation's work reaches many remote areas of the country which are not contacted by other art groups. What the organization needs to make it self-supporting, she feels, is someone who will be willing to make it a life work. Vassar art majors take notice. And that was from the 2nd of September, 1944 issue of the Vassar Chronicle. So you can see really how active she was and how really passionate she was from, you know, from her education 
and with during her career. Following World War II, she had married her husband, Captain Philip Wadsworth Claflin, on the 4th of January, 1945, at the Millinery Ordinate, located at 463 Madison Avenue in New York City. The article from this time reads, Miss Ringe, Captain P.W. Claflin Mary. Miss Agnet Millicent Ringe, daughter of the late Mr. and Mrs. Harry Cook Ringe of Grand Rapids, Michigan, was married at noon on Thursday, January 4th, to Captain Philip Wadsworth Claflin, USA, son of Mr. and Mrs. Alan Avery Claflin of Winchester, Massachusetts, at the Military Ordinariate by Reverend Louis J. Thornton. A wedding breakfast was held at the Carlisle Hotel for the immediate family. Miss Claflin and attended Miss Madeira School, Washington, D.C., and received her Bachelor of Arts and Master of Arts and Ph.D. degrees from Radcliffe College. She is chairman of the art department at Vassar College, and last year, when on a leave of absence from Vassar, Miss Claflin was appointed Assistant Executive Vice President of the Museum of Modern Art and is at present the consultant of the museum staff. She is also President and Trustee of the American Federation of Art. I also found a marriage announcement from the Poughkeepsie Journal, which reads, Agnes and Ridge wed to Captain. Announcement is made of the marriage of Miss Agnet Millicent Ringe Poughkeepsie, daughter of the late Mr. and Mrs. Harry Cook Ringe, Grand Rapids, Michigan, to Captain Philip Wadsworth Claflin, son of Mr. and Mrs. Alan Avery Claflin, Winchester, Massachusetts. And I'll skip through because the rest was pretty much what on the background of Agnes. But on Captain Claflin, he was an alumnus of the Philip Exector Academy and Harvard University and has served 35 months overseas, including 27 months in Iceland and active duty in England and France. Prior to his enlistment as a private in February 1941, he was associated with the Discount Corporation of New York as assistant treasurer. He received his commission in December 1941 in the 2nd officer's candidate class. He plans to return soon to Paris, where he is assigned to the counterintelligence branch of the General Eisenhower's European Theater headquarters. He is a brother of Miss Dudley Pratt, Seattle, Washington, and Avery Claflin, Hewitt, Long Island. According to that same source from the Dictionary Dictionary of Art Historians Further, from 1945 to 1948, she was a chairman of the College Art Association, remaining on its board of directors until 1951. She lectured widely at Vassar and elsewhere, and had finally retired from the college in 1965. Prior to retirement in 1962, Agnes was an honorary degree recipient from the Wheaton College in Massachusetts. Now, during her long career in the arts, Agnes had the opportunity to work amongst many different artists of the period. During the 1930s, she worked alongside George Platt Lyons, who I have actually researched before and done inde- excuse me, independent projects on in college, and he was a avid portrait photographer and also a queer photographer, and he was, you know, it was really awesome to get to know his story and know he was based out of New Jersey. And an expert from his book, 
George Platt lines The Daring Eye by Alan as Ellenswag notes that Agnes Ringe arranges a demanding commission of pho- photographing Vassar's 1935 graduating class. Next, George photographs noteworthy artists for Chick Austin's 1936 Hartford Festival program. And Lyons had even taken a portrait of her, which was one of the first uh, photographs or when I had begun this process of researching her life that I found, and I had included it down below. And it's courtesy of the estate of George Platt Lyons from the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Now, we're working in the MoMA in 1943, and I talked about this before, in conjunction, in conjunction with the MoMA's exhibition at Alexander Calder of the same year, she had written and narrated one of the first art museum's multimedia shows, a 10-minute film titled Alexander Calder, Sculpture and Constructions, which can be found online. Now, Agnes was close friends with Calder, in addition to being involved in the film, according to the Calder Foundation, Calden often provided Agnes with many gifts, including a sculpture called The Circle in 1934 and one called Fireproof Veil in 1944, as well as being able to be inside his studio and work alongside Calder directly. Alexander Calder, 1898-1976, was a notable American sculptor, well recognized for mobiles and plastic sculptures. She also had a marble bust made for her by an artist named Nathaniel Coyote. And according to the Calder Foundation, this is about the circle, several years after Calder gave the circle to Agnes Ringe Claflin, a close friend and professor of art history of Vassar College, she referenced the standing mobile in her commentary for a film made on the occasion of Calder's major 1943 retrospective at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Contrasting the sculpture's motion with the prescribed pathways of artist motorized mobiles, Claflin wrote, with the free natural mu- movement, whatever was lost in formal pattern could be made up in a rhythmic variety. Light swinging forms stirred by the air of the wind set up countless free, apparently spontaneous patterns. Chance plays a large part in the rhythm set in motion. The cur- circle is currently on view in the Francis Lehman Lower Art Center at Vassar, to which Claflin gifted the mobile in 1963. And that's actually a video if you want to view it on their Facebook page. And the other, which I thought was really cool, was from 1944, um, and this was in regards to the fireproof veil. And Calder's friend, Agnes Ridge Claflin, this is according to the Calder Foundation, complained to him that she had nothing to wear to the upcoming Christmas party at Vassar College, where she was a professor in the art history department. So not long thereafter, Claflin received a TR from Calder that he dubbed the Fireproof Veil. The headpiece is constructed of a series of sheet metal letters, A, R, V, C, P, and Y, each dangling from its own wire attached to a center headband. The letters stand for Agnes Rinch, Vassar College, Poughkeepsie, New York, and are designated to hang in front of the wearer's face. And that's really cool. I also included a photograph of Agnes in the studio with Alexander Calder from 1942, as well as an image of the bust. Now, Agnes Ringe Claflin passed away on the 12th of June, 1977, in Kingston, New York, at the age of 77 years old. Her obituary was published in the New York Times. 
She was buried in Mount Wollaston Cemetery located in Quincy, Norfolk County, Massachusetts, USA. Now, following her death, she had a posthumous exhibition held at the Vassar College Art Gallery the following year, as well as a fund dedicated in her honor. In addition, the collection holds a special collection of her papers, which is where I will be donating this particular photograph to, so it can be preserved for generations to come. And her husband, unfortunately, had passed away in 1990. And... The obituary from the New York Times reads, Agnes Claflin, 77, was art professor of Vassar College. Agnes Range Claflin, professor emeritus of art at Vassar College, died Sunday at Benedictine Hospital in Kingston, New York. She was 77 years old and a resident of New Paltz, New York. Professor Claflin, who retired from Vassar in 1965 after over 40 years of service with the college, studied at Radcliffe College, where she earned a doctorate. She initially joined the Vassar faculty in 1923 and was promoted to full professor in 1931. She had been the chairman of the art department since 1944. For the last four years prior to retirement, she held the Mary Conover Mellon Chair of Art. During World War II, she was executive secretary and consultant in the art division of the Office of the Coordinator of Inter-American Affairs in Washington. Later, she was a consultant in the art division of the Program of Cultural Relations of with Latin America. For the number of years, she also served as an assistant vice president of the Museum of Modern Art. Her interest in art was not confined to the campus. She numbered among her friends artists such as Alexander Calder, the sculptor, and painters such as Eugene Berman and Pavel, Pavel Cheklitichu. She was also a champion of women in the arts and oftentimes invited women artists to lecture at Vizar, as well as buying and exhibiting her work. For her work, she was honored by Wheaton College in 1962 with an honorary degree of Doctor of Letters, and a year later received the Graduate Society Medal from Radcliffe. She was survived by her husband, Philip Wadsworth Claflin, a retired banker. And as I mentioned, the photograph will be donated to the Vassar College Archives and Special Collections Library, which houses many of Agnes's personal papers and effects. Now here is the story of her mother, Miriam Allen Brigham Rich. Miriam Allen Brigham was born on the 15th of November, 1875, in Grand Rapids, Kent County, Michigan, to parents Dr. Gershom Nelson Brigham and Agnes Ruth Walker. She had five siblings and four half-siblings, and four full siblings, all of which that survived to adulthood that I have recovered photographs of in the same lot of photographs. Also mentioned previously, I have recovered photographs of Miriam when she was three and a half months old, two and a half years old, and three years old respectively, and all of which were taken in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Her father, Dr. Gershon Nelson Brigham, was born in Faston, Vermont in 1820. Her mother, Agnes Ruth Walker, his second wife, was born in Montpelier, Vermont in 1845. Dr. Brigham was recognized for bringing the field of homeopathic medicine to Vermont. Now, according to census records from 1880, she had lived with her parents and siblings in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Her father died six years later in 1886, when Miriam was only 12 years old. Now, there's a photograph I've recovered of Agnes as I mentioned previously, of her mother dressed in widow attire from this time period. Her mother would pass away in 1894 when Miriam was only 19 years old. 
Also by the late 1800s, the family had eventually moved to Illinois, with some of her siblings even being born there. In 1897, she is noted as resigning in South Hadley, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, as a member of Mount Holyoke College in 1899. Also that same year, on the 15th of August, 1899, she married her husband, Harry Claflin Ringe, who at the time served for the Red Cross. I also noted previously that based on newspaper articles of her marriage and notes on the back of photographs, I was able to determine that this collection had actually likely belonged to Miriam herself. For Harry Ringe, I had determined he had he had earned awards for his work in the Red Cross, specifically for his work in Estonia. Between 1900 and 1910, the newly married couple had resided in Grand Rapids, Michigan, having their daughter Agnes in 1900. By 1920, the couple had moved to Manhattan, and Harry worked as a salesman alongside his work for the Red Cross. In May of 1921, Miriam had applied for a passport application for herself and her daughter, using the privileges from her husband, who was noted as a captain in the Red Cross. Her plans at that time were to travel to the British Isles, France, and Italy, going along with her daughter, who studied at Cambridge at the time. And... I was actually able to get a second and more adult photograph of Miriam as well as her husband from their passport applications. And I found an article from the Red Cross Bulletin from 1921, which shows that her husband was actually active in the Red, very active in the Red Cross. It reads, Harry C. Ringe, active in Grand Rapids Drive. A prominent article in a Grand Rapids paper glares forth with the following headline. Harry C. Ringe will be office manager for Red Cross Drive. Although we have not heard of the results of the Grand Rapids Drive, if Captain Ringe had anything to do with it, we know at least that there is plenty of push behind it. While suffering for the Red Cross in Germany, Estonia, and Finland, Ringe's enthusiasm and perseverance won for him a record to be proud of. Since leaving this commission, Captain Ringe has settled in Grand Rapids. His permanent address is the county of Grand Rapids Trust Co. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So it seems also like he, at the time, as I said before, the census indicated that they were in Manhattan, but he also had an address. So they were going back and forth between Michigan. Now, based on arrival and departure records, it is evident that Miriam had actually traveled a lot and pretty frequently, while also having a home in New York, which was important to Agnes's upbringing in that area, and probably why she gravitated towards Vassar College. Also, another thing to mention is about Miriam is that she actually, at this time period, had applied for the Daughters of the American Revolution application with her family, and this is where the strong revolutionary war ties come in. And I included a snippet that I will read aloud on the Record Lineage Archives on Ancestry, where she indicates that she is a direct descendant of Benjamin Walker. Now, Benjamin Walker had served as a captain under Colonel Ebenezer Bridge's company. Ebenezer Bridge, born 1744 and dying in 1814, of Bellerica, received severe sword cuts on his head and neck while commanding a Massachusetts regiment in the American front line at the Battle of Bunker Hill. And it's really interesting because these applications, I believe, um, I know some contacts who are pretty active in the organization. And just from taking my courses, like at Boston, um, for my 
certificate program. I know you can actually get the originals of these files and this one was more of an index, but I've also seen ones I believe actually for one of Miriam's half siblings who also applied for one as well. On the 18th of March, 1933, according to a record in the U.S. Reports of Deaths of American Citizens Abroad collection from Ancestry, Harry C. Ringe had died at the American Hospital located in Neuilly-sur-Seine, France, from lymphoscarmatose. He was then cremated, and his reins were transported back to the United States, where he is buried at Grand Rapids, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at Oak Hill Cemetery. He was only 63 years old. Now, Miriam would only pass away a few months later, again away from the United States. And on the 7th of August, 1933, about 20 kilometers from Villa Viacosa, Ovedio, Spain, from a car accident, the cause of death was noted as a fractured skull. Unfortunately, according to the report of her death, her remains were noted as being buried near Villa Viacosa, which to me is very curious, and I just, because I wonder why they could transport Harry's remains from France or cremate them and not transport them from Spain. It makes me question, did they not have the facilities at the time or was, you know, the body so badly damaged? It's it's very hard to tell. And I it, it's just something that, you know, made, was, made me very curious when I read the report. And on both of her parents' reports, their daughter was notified. So Agnes, unfortunately, within a few months span, had to deal with the deaths of both of her parents, both of which died without, you know, it seems anyone by their side. I can't say that for certain, but it seems like they were both away from the United States where Agnes was. And I just... Like I said, I couldn't imagine what Agnes was going through. And Agnes, you know, she was 33 at the time, but to lose both of her parents within the same year is just quite crazy. And I found a small article that recalls the accident um, that killed Miriam. This reads, U.S. motorist killed abroad. Ovedio, Spain, August 9th, Associated Press. A woman identified as Miss Miriam B. Ringe, 55 years old, a former resident of New York who had lived in Paris for several years, was killed in an automobile accident near the village of Villa Viacosa. Her daughter, Agnes, was slightly injured. The American consul at Vigo said he had been informed that Miss Caroline Whitmore suffered a broken hip in the same accident. With Miss Whitmore's home address was not definitely established but it was believed to be somewhere in new york and that was from the august 9th 1933 from the evening sun in hanover pennsylvania wow that was a lot i covered a lot that was really long but like i said i'm doing this in multiple parts and i'm just this was just an incredible story of you know just two individuals of this family and you know with so many photographs, I can't wait to elaborate on more of the stories and be able to kind of inform the world about the Brigham's identity and their legacies that they left. And, you know, it makes me just really happy that I'm able to return this photograph to Vassar, where it's going to be preserved alongside Agnes's personal papers for many generations to come. Now, I want, you know, if 
whoever listens to this, I would like your opinion on, because this is my thing. This photograph collection was brought in together, and I am only returning the photograph on its own, but it makes me question, you know, like separating it from the other photographs. It's like a weird part of me has never done that. They usually all kind of go together, but it's very interesting to me. But one thing I know for certain is I have all these records preserved in a public family tree, and I'm just hoping someone will reach out eventually and be able to return more of these photographs too. And I have included all the sources I've used for Agnes's um, educational background and some more of her biography down below. And I'm, if you have any questions or comments or know anything about the Brigham family, you can contact me at the research article or at the Chosen Families Project at gmail.com. Again, that is the Chosen Families Project at gmail.com. Now, remember that you are loved and that you're always welcome here. Take care and Happy New Year. Bye now.